Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of GC Live Talking Tuesday Nights. He's Intern Joe. I'm Mike Yuva, and Intern Joe, we are two days away now. Two days away from hearing Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks at SEC Media Days. Day two is in the books out in Nashville, which is still weird to say that Nashville is hosting SEC Media Days after the event took place for many, many years in Birmingham, Alabama. But with that all being said, we will hear from USC in two days. It'll be the last day of SEC Media Days. There's been a lot discussed already this week at Media Days, intern Joe. But back in Columbia, from a recruiting standpoint, a lot is going on. If you guys have been paying attention to Gamecock Central, you know what I'm talking about. We will get into what took place yesterday in North Carolina as well with a Gamecock target that they were looking at, a miss. I will share a little bit about that. And we will just start to look ahead to SEC Media Days. If there's any questions, if you guys had an opportunity, and let's just get it out there right now, and I've been posting this on Gamecock Central, I've been doing this on Twitter as well, if there is a question that you would ask Shane Beamer, and if it's a good enough one, I'll use it, if there is one question you would have an opportunity to ask Beamer at SEC Media Days, what is it? You can drop a comment on the side, and we will share it throughout the program, probably towards the end. Intern Joe, let's talk about recruiting right now, okay? Yeah. It is crazy to think that back in February when, when the Gamecocks were able to land five-star Nicholas Harbor, and I understand that is the last year's recruiting cycle, class of 2023, to go from as high as they were right there to have a lot of momentum at the beginning of this year's recruiting cycle, and obviously Dante Reno committed last summer, but when you're talking about the class of 2024, you land, I think at one point it was eight, four stars, right? And I know some guys have kind of fluctuated a little bit, gone up. A lot of momentum, a lot of positivity. June comes around, a couple of three stars. Some of those guys have been bumped up to four, depending on what outlet you're looking at from a recruiting standpoint. But June, fairly quiet, fairly quiet. And consider, you know, in comparison to the last two years, we get to July, Dante Reno. The four-star quarterback commit told us, hey, July is going to be a big month. Don't be surprised if we were able to land all the guys that were on campus during the official visit, which was back in June. So far, it hasn't gone that way for USC. And there's been a couple guys that they are looking at being able to hopefully land that are starting to push their recruiting dates or their commitment dates, excuse me, back a little bit. And I think it's scaring some Gamecock fans because of What's took place over the last, I'd say, week or so with two guys that USC was hoping to be able to land going elsewhere? Just your initial thoughts on where USC stands from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I still think they're sitting pretty. Um, You still have, obviously, the big domino yet to fall in Dylan Stewart. I think that will kind of determine how this class goes. Obviously, you missed a couple guys that you would have liked to, to kind of pad in case Dylan, the whole Dylan Stewart thing doesn't necessarily go your way. But now it's pretty much coming down to that, right? Land Dylan Stewart, become a top 10 class, or you missed miss out on Dylan Stewart, and maybe you're maybe, maybe still in the top 20. So um, I, it's starting to get like to the point where if you miss Dylan Stewart, not necessarily hit the panic button because in the top 25, is really all you can ask for, but just the way South Carolina has started out. And then if they end up finishing without a Dylan Stewart and without the guys that they missed this last week, 
I'd say there is a little bit of concern there. But the way things have been trending with Dylan Stewart, a little bit more towards Ohio State. But then again, he was here on campus in Columbia for his last official visit, as we know. So I, I'm still sold that Dylan Stewart is is leaning towards South Carolina. I'm not going to say that if he's committed or not, because I don't think Dylan knows. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But I, I think that's kind of the big domino left to fall is Dylan Stewart. Obviously, like Mike said, you missed out on a few guys. Um, and so that, that obviously hurts a little bit if you do miss out on Dylan Stewart. But right now, I, I think you got to wait, see what Dylan does um, before you can really make any conclusions about this 2024 class. And you mentioned Dylan Stewart. I want to pick up some of the names that you were mentioning so we can pull that up here. Mm-hmm. Go to Daniel Hill first, just because that's the one that I see popped up first using a different system here. Stocking intern Joe Balthek at the second screen out here. Shout out to the girlfriend for the early birthday present. So that's why my eyes are a little bit to the right. See if we can get this to share now. Let's share this tab instead. There we go. So you see Dylan Stewart. And that's one thing that I've been talking with Gamecock fans about on social media. It seems like today, but it goes back the last couple weeks. When you look at the roster this year, in the phrase that I always use on Gamecock Central, the lack of proven depth, I understand the frustration from – a recruiting standpoint when you want to talk about the running back class this year and that running back room. I totally understand it. But at the same time, too, when we're talking about being able to land blue chip players at the running back position in particular, they picked up Braswell the last recruiting cycle for the class of 2023. That's a four-star running back. Matthew Fuller recently got bumped up to being a four-star by on three for the class of 2024. That's a four-star running back. Daniel Hill, who, as you see on your screen right now, the RPM on on three, it has South Carolina as the favorite right now. Ultimately, that's going to come down between USC and Alabama. I think that goes without saying. We've heard different reports. Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, they've done a tremendous job of following everything that's transpired, especially over the last couple of weeks with Daniel Hill's recruitment. But I'll say this, that ultimately – with what South Carolina can provide that Alabama can't is an opportunity to see the field much quicker. That's not to say Hill's not talented enough to be able to see the field at Alabama, but shoot, without even looking at Alabama's roster, there's probably what four or five guys already in front of them that would have four or five stars. So that goes without saying, is that the ultimate selling point for why Hill would want to come to South Carolina? I think it's a big part. I think you'd be naive not to believe that plays a big role with it, but there's obviously numerous other factors and Hill's talked about it. He likes what Beamer's creating over here. He likes the players, especially from the recruiting visits and being able to interact with them. So with Daniel Hill's situation, if you're able to land him, now you have Hill, Matthew Fuller and Braswell within the last two recruiting cycles. Can you really push that narrative out that South Carolina can't, land the big recruit at running back i don't think you can and again i understand the frustration heading into this year usc should not be in the position that they are i totally agree but at the same time too that's how things played out and yet you are in a position right now because of it to potentially land one of your biggest running backs and going up against as you've mentioned it before intern joe over the last couple weeks this is a big boy recruiting battle you're going up against alabama 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I want to, Big Red, I saw your question. We're going to get to it in one second. Um, but no, Mike, I, I think if Daniel Hill is another one of those guys, if you can get him, win a big boy recruiting battle, I think it sends shockwaves around the rest of the recruiting class. Um, I, I know these guys are looking at who, who some of the other schools are that are recruiting some of these other guys. And so it's like, oh, South Carolina just beat Alabama. Like these guys are talking about that kind of stuff. And that goes a long way. So I think it's kind of going circling back to Big Red's question. Is there one recruit that could be make or break for the Gamecocks that hasn't committed yet? I, I think it's between Daniel Hill and Dylan Stewart. Um, mm. I think between those two, um, if you had to pinpoint it on like a specific recruit. Well, let me cut you, let me cut you off, Joe. When you say make or break, okay, and obviously this is Big Red's question. Yeah. When you say make or break, hypothetical and i hate talking in hypotheticals if they don't get stork because it seems like that's the player you're leaning towards yeah are you saying that 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 makes up this this recruiting class is that what you're going with because i disagree with Not that and I'll no because i think there's already a lot of firepower and recruiting's funky you can't necessarily classify a whole recruiting class based on like just come to a conclusion about one recruiting class I'm saying that about the 2024 class in particularly because of the offensive line talent that's in there. I think, you know, it's, it's definitely a win for Greg Adkins and, and so in the offensive line. So I think, uh, you know, you can't call this class a bust if you don't get Daniel Hill and Dylan Stewart. Um, And I, I wouldn't necessarily say either of those guys break it because of the offensive line talent, just because of, if you break it down positionally. So yep. I don't know. I, it's kind of a weird answer or a bad answer. Um, no, but, but, but I think, no, look, I, and you brought up something good in Joe, which is, yeah. and I think Chris brings it up as well. Talking about the offensive line. I think we just showed that, but yeah. being able to have the offensive lineman that USC already has on campus, right. Especially from that yeah. last recruiting class in 2023 but looking ahead to what they have already with this class of 2024, we'll kind of just hop around a little bit. A lot of those guys in the offensive line too are underrated as all heck. I mean, Blake Franks being a three-star yeah. is kind of nuts. I, I wanted to throw that in there too. Because but just look at it. Like we've, yeah. we've done this before, but we'll do this exercise again. Cause I think it's topical right now to bring it up. Josiah Thompson and these numbers, by the way, if you haven't been on, on threes rankings. And again, we've, we've talked about this before. There is the there is the industry industry comparison, which takes in all of the four major recruiting sites on three, 24-7 sports, ESPN arrivals, and it spits out one giant number, right? So that's the number that you're seeing on the left when you see these guys have the stars that they have. Dante Reno, still considered a three-star by on three. I don't entirely agree with that, but again, I don't have any say when it comes to stars. But you look at some of these players that we're talking about here, whether you're looking at from the industry comparison or on three or even 24 seven sports on three, Josiah Thompson, they have him as the number one rated offensive tackle in the country for the cost of 2024. You look at Cam Pringle. And again, you can look at whatever number you want. Okay. You want to look at on three on three says he's number 10. You want to look at the industry comparison. They have him at number five. All right, for offensive tackle. And oh, by the way, at one point, one point Pringle was rated as the number one offensive tackle in the country. So again, we can keep going down. I thought it's a good point that you brought up, Joe, about Blake Franks. I think he is very underrated. Very, very I think underrated. the thing with Blake, I think the thing about Blake is he's got 
and you you can mention this about any position, okay? Yeah. I know we're in this politically correct world, so someone will try to spin zone this. But especially with offensive linemen, you can see with defensive linemen too. But he, when I look at the young man, he's got a lot of power. He's got baby fat on him, which a lot of these guys, when they come out of high school, it doesn't matter what the position is. Offensive linemen, it's real easy to point to. He is a young man that has so much power already. And we know the job that Luke Day has been able to do. Doesn't even have to be talking about offensive linemen. I look at someone like Blake Franks, 6'5", 325 pounds. And I'm sure he's toned up a little bit in the offseason. That's not to say he's fat. Again, politically correct police out there. He's in the pudding too, Mike. Look at No, but it's, but it's the truth. When you have these young men come out here, and that's what I look at him. He moves. He, he's moving. So when you have someone like Blake Franks, I think – when I say project, I don't think he's as much of a project in comparison to say, you know, and I know it's the one I always fall back on, but when you bring in someone like Carlin's puts out, like you just don't know where it's going to go with someone like Blake Franks, you know, there's talent there already, you know, you're going to be able to figuratively and uh, literally be able to shape this young man. And that's why when you look at just the offensive lineman in particular, and you look at Franks, if you want to consider him the the weak link in the group right now, which is just funny to say because he's so talented. He's so talented. But it goes back to the point of what USC has been able to do from a recruiting standpoint, especially on offensive line. They've done a good job, too, on D-line. Don't want yeah. to forget about that. Yeah, absolutely. It wouldn't be a Talking Tuesdays without a reference to Carlin's Patel. Oh, of course. Uh, you got the Assumption DB yeah. shirt going on here today. Yeah, yeah 100%. But, uh, no, I agree. I mean, I think – Franks, too, um, once you get him on campus, start putting on that SEC college weight. I think it'll be really good. Um, you kind of look at what Big Tree, I don't know if you guys have seen if, any pictures of Big Tree of sure. him working out, but, I mean, he's put on massive weight. Yeah, he's huge. So, um, yeah, I'm not worried about Blake Franks one bit. Like I said, I think I thought he was a little underrated coming out of um, coming out of high school. So um, I think it's, you know, definitely a win for this this class on the offensive line. And you got a quarterback too, as well as in, in Dante. So I think, you know, regardless if you get Dylan Stewart or Daniel Hill, I think those two guys help you make a splash nationally. But mm -hmm. I think in the SEC, what's going to win you the games is the Blake Franks, the Josiah Thompsons, every offensive line recruit and defensive line recruit in this class, um, just positions of need for South Carolina. Cause last year you cycled through a lot of your veteran offensive linemen sticking around from the early Beamer days, late Muschamp days, whatever you want to call it. So um, I think when you're as loaded at a, at a position as you are um, on offensive line for this 2024 class for South Carolina, you got to feel good regardless if you land those two big guys. Let's talk about Malcolm Ziegler. That was the news yesterday. The four-star safety, and I'll tell you what, from watching his tape, very talented. I mean, there's no other way to put it. A very, very talented safety, a ball hawk. I think the first three highlights I saw on his junior tape, all pick sixes. I think he had like six interceptions. That's not to add salt to the wound, because we know that he committed to North Carolina yesterday. But, and I'm trying to be very careful with this. Right, Because when you're dealing with high school kids, college kids, you're trying to walk this fine line of doing your job. But at the same time, too, like I said, you're dealing with high school and college kids. I'll say this. I'll say this. Okay, As many of you may have seen yesterday, Gamecock Central doesn't go to 
commitment announcements unless we're feeling very, very good. Now, obviously, that doesn't guarantee that a young man will commit to South Carolina always. But you feel good about it, okay? Uh, I can tell you between myself, Wes, and Chris, it's very difficult for not at least one of us to hear something. Um, and, and if it gets by all three of us, I mean, Colin's there as well, okay? I'll say this. It is very interesting when a young man is telling other commits, I'm looking forward to playing with you at said school, and they end up going elsewhere on the day of. I will say that. I will just put it out there like that. So was I a little surprised based on how it played out? Yes. Um, I would not have been surprised if that information had not been relayed to us. And you see certain things in text messages as well for multiple recruits. So I think that's the only thing that was very disappointing when you talk to people that are around USC's program. Because I say that I'm not the only one mentioning that today. Okay. Um, and again, I know nothing about this young man and that's not to piggyback or anything or try to pile on. It's just calling it for what it is. That is how things played out. He wants to stay home. Okay. His family, I'm sure wanted him to stay home as well. And Craig mentions that a phenomenal commitment tape. If anyone saw that yesterday, I thought that was pretty cool. His father who served in the military came on back. I thought that was a really cool video. But again, none of that has anything to do with what we're talking about here, with how things played out. Three and a half hours, I drove up there. I was looking forward to being able to talk to this young man because that's what was relayed to not just myself, but to my colleagues as well. But it didn't go that way. And Malcolm is committed to UNC. I can tell you right now, though, that USC is going to do what they can to try to get him to flip. But Still a long ways to go until signing day. So, again, just wanted to bring that up. I hate doing it when you're talking about, again, high school kids. and co- But at the same time, too, NIL's in the mix as well. I think it's only fear when you call things for what it is, all right? And I'm not going to put anything out there that's not true, especially when we have proof about certain things. With that all being said, South Carolina is moving forward, and they're going to do what they can to be able to land some talented players. If you haven't seen already, with what's took place today, at least, hearing the announcement that Jonathan Paler, and I'll bring him up on our screen. Tell you what, this second screen, Joe, this is a game changer. It's, it's money, Mike. I've, uh, I have I got a secondhand one before I came to college. Oh, I feel like I'm back at the – I feel like I'm back at the TV station right now, being yeah, able to awesome. have uh, access to a second screen. This is a game changer. As you can see right there, South Carolina still the heavy favorite, according to the RPM to land them. But if you haven't heard already, Paler is going to push back his announcement until August 5th. Now, according, I want to make sure I give the young man credit. I want to give the young man credit here who put the this extra tidbit out there. I think it was by I 
Ethan McDowell from the Wolfpacker, mm-hmm. who is part of the On3 family, he mentioned that it looks like Paler is going to be heading to North Carolina State on July 28th. I say that because what else is going on on July 28th? South Carolina has their big cookout. So it's hard not to just look at that. And again, I don't want to look at things and speculate. We are just putting out there what is being reported. I haven't heard Wes or Chris confirm that. I saw that shortly before I came on air. But I think he actually retweeted it himself. Yeah, I think so. I will, uh, let's see. I'll share this tab. If you can see that. And that's the tweet right there. That again, Jonathan Paler retweeted, which says that he is setting his commitment date for August 5th. And that, again, he's confirming. And I think, you know, if he confirms and he's retweeting it, I think that pretty much tells you what's going on that date, that he will be going to NC State for, I don't know if they have a cookout, something like something similar, I'm sure, to what USC does. But that is what the latest is today. What does this mean for South Carolina? Well, I think right now the big thing is you got to continue to just be relentless when it comes to recruiting. Continue to be that way. I don't think anything's really changed, right? I think when stuff like this happens, especially over the last week, when there's a couple misses on guys that you're optimistic that you're going to be able to land, I think instantly, especially with how how close everything is together, I think instantly, from a fan base standpoint, you want to react and say, all right, what is it? There has to be one thing. Is it NIL? Is it this? Is it that? I don't think it just comes down to one thing. I think for a lot of these guys, it's multiple factors, right? We mentioned someone like Ziegler is close to home. Did NIL play a role with that? I mean... It, it certainly was in the mix from everything that I've been told. Um, I don't know every detail when it comes to every player situation at other schools. But I will say this, that if you're USC, you just have to continue to do whatever you can. You have to continue to do whatever you can. And I think, you know, not talking specifically about any player or two, Joe, is that there's going to be people out there especially right now, but man, if, if this continues to happen, if there's another player or two that they miss on, that there'll be people in this fan base, not everybody, but there'll be people in this fan base that will instantly say they're upset with Garnet Trust or they're upset with Park Ave or whatever the case may be. They're upset with, from an NIL standpoint, they're going to feel like USC's not doing enough. I, I'll say this. What are you, you going to do? Are you going to freaking boycott NIL? Because all that's going to do is the schools that are getting rich, they're going to get richer. Literally. So as a fan base, if you're upset by this and you think that NIL is the reason, which I can tell you right now it's not for a lot of this, but if you think that's the reason why, deciding to sit on your hands. And again, this is not directed at everybody. But I saw some messages earlier this week 
on different social media outlets, there will be people, there will be people that will get upset from an NIL standpoint and say, you know what? I'm out of this. I'm not doing this. What good is that going to do for your school? Really? What good is that going to do? All it's going to do is give these other schools an upper edge on it even more. So if you think NIL is the reason, which again, I don't think that's the problem. That's, that's not going to help you because NIL is not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Mike. I mean, I think, Obviously, that you're you're right. That doesn't make much sense. I mean, get get mad at the NIL collective, stop donating, and then they dip even further yeah. into a disadvantage. Um, so I agree with you there. That doesn't make much sense. But I I also agree too. Um, a lot of these guys that you know you're missing out on potentially a paler. A lot of them have different circumstances why they decided to go to not South Carolina, wherever they might end up. Right. So I I think it's NIL provides like a new scapegoat, if you will, for recruiting. If you didn't get this guy, oh, it was an NIL issue. We're horrible at NIL. Just gives another reason for for people to kind of complain or something else to complain about. Um, and I, for all I know, I, Garnet Trust and, and and all the other collectives, even for South Carolina, I mean, we're not in the worst shape in the world um, in terms of NIL. So, I, and again, there are a lot more factors going into these guys choosing to go to other schools it's not always nil it's not this is a good this is a good point though from kfc in africa 21 and i'm sure you're not the only person that feels this way so i'm not picking on you but i'm glad you brought this up and they say i just can't justify paying money to collectives for athletes when they're getting free education to just play football you say that okay and again this is not picking on you because i'm sure you're not the only one that feels this way you say that but at the same time too and I'll just use LSU, for example, because it's not just football. They were dominant when it came to women's basketball this year. They were dominant when it came to baseball. They won two national championships between those two sports, right? And then, of course, with football, they won the SEC West. The transfer portal played a big role with all three of those sports. NIL played a big role in all three of those sports. LSU, and again, I'm just using them as an example, LSU fans threw a lot of money. And the thing about it is, right, South Carolina, and we can use football because, of course, football is the catalyst, right? If football has a down year, naturally there's going to be, be people that say, man, I don't want to pay anymore. All that's going to do is drop the program even further. I mean, that's just the reality of it. So it's just like anything in life. When you have change there's going to be a lot of people that are hesitant. There's going to be a lot of people that want to learn more about certain things. I totally understand that. But the reality is, is this, all it's going to do is hurt your program even that much more. It, it, that's just the truth. It, it's going to hurt your program. And unfortunately, and I think this is the part where Gamecock fans, and they twist the words around a little bit with what Dabo Sweeney said a couple of years ago, the pay to play part right? That's what is the, the troubling part. That's what is taking part right now. It's, it's playing out that way. It's not NIL across the board. It's not supposed to be pay for play and it's happening, unfortunately. And I'm not saying that's what South Carolina needs to do to necessarily compete. I mean, it's happening everywhere, but if people, and again, I'm not saying that you're saying this KFC in Africa 21, but there's going to be people out there 
that will instantly complain if, again, let's just use a guy like uh, Malcolm Ziegler. He commits to UNC. You find out, again, just making this up, hypothetically, Ziegler gets offered twice the amount of money from an NIL standpoint. If you're blaming NIL, well, if people aren't giving money to NIL collectives in South Carolina, how the hell are they going to be able to come up with that money? Which is another reason why, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm telling you right now, pay attention to this. I'm not necessarily saying these players that are committing to other schools, but watch how things play out. I have a feeling we will see more players flip this year than we have seen in quite some time. And the reason being is I feel like there's a lot of collectives out there for other schools that are promising young men and women for other sports as well, but especially football. They're promising the money, but they're not going to have it. They're not going to have the money once that paycheck has to be sent to, you know, player X or mommy and daddy, whoever. That's the dangerous part of all this. So you need to continue to be relentless when it comes to recruiting some of these players because I'm telling you, perhaps it's a player or two that South Carolina missed on. NIL is playing a big role with some of these other schools. No question about it. Just like it's helping with USC. But when push comes to shove, is everyone going to be able to foot that bill? I don't think everyone will be. No. Plain and simple. And, I mean, different schools have different alumni bases. Um, and, you know, obviously different schools are going to have different advantages in different areas of recruiting. So, um, Mike, I mean, you pretty much summed everything up. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't really have anything further on this topic rather than just stay committed. I like what Big Red said here, though. Uh, the game is changing, quite literally. You know, I mean, you can love NIL. You can hate it. It's it's here to stay, and it's just going to keep evolving. And, and it's it, a consistent thing, too, yeah. which is – Frustrating, I'm sure, to some, but the way I look at it is this, right? It's kind of like the people, and you know, look, it all depends what what you view as value, right? Do I need, some people, will they pay the whatever it is, $8, $10 a month for Twitter? They might not feel like it is worth $8, $10 to be able to get the extra perks out of it. Totally understand. Uh, HBO Max, whatever the case may be. If you want to watch The Sopranos or you want to watch Hard Knocks or you want to get Netflix, right? To some, it's going to be worth paying that, you know, whatever the equivalent is, $10, $15 a month. And I'm not telling you this is what you have to do, but think about this. If you want to see your football team win, if you want to see your teams be competitive, and LSU is a prime example of it, prime example of it from this past year. If people just put up $5, $10 a month, and again, that's their hard-earned money. But at the same time, too, as I don't need to tell anyone from down here, those 12 Saturdays in the fall, a lot of people's whole lives revolve around it. And that's not to say, like, you know, they're not doing other things. But those 12 Saturdays in the fall is what they live for. And that is why the SEC, places like South Carolina, it is awesome, awesome to cover football in because you guys care. You guys care. So that's why it is surprising to me. Again, I think there's going to be a little pushback because it's something new still. But in order to get to that point, you got to ask yourself, how much do I care? And for everyone, it's going to be different. Some people, they might want to do you know, $10,000 a year. For some people, it might only be $5 a month, whatever the case may be. But that's why these little things and, you know, Joe, we, we've talked about it before, yeah. but man, 
this Garnet Trust, this Garnet Trust event that's going to be taking place at CB18 is massive. And again, there's different things that are happening, right? That's going to be helping the Hayden Hurst Foundation. There's uh, a special on Thursday nights now at the Cotton Gin. And a lot of that had to do with some pressure that other businesses are feeling with CB18 going in place there. Every drink on Thursday night from the Cotton Gin, a dollar is going to be going back to NIL. And I can tell you, come July, was it 28th is the event at CB18? There is going to be a game-changing, a game-changing NIL announcement for South Carolina. It is going to be big. It's going to be very big because I think it's going to make a big difference. But, you know, that's just some of my thoughts on NIL. Because when we talk about recruiting now, it goes hand in hand. If you don't like it, I get it, but it's not going anywhere. Adapt or die, Mike. That's that's Division One college football nowadays, right? We saw it before NIL. It was the facilities. Who had the coolest lockers and everything like that. Now NIL has stepped into the picture and looks a whole lot different. Five years down the road, college football is going to yeah. look a whole lot different than it does right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, NIL, I, I don't necessarily know if I'm a fan or – you know, and not a fan of it. I don't necessarily have a stance on it. I think it's good for the players and stuff like that. It's it's good to get some kind of money in their hands. But I, I mean, it, I don't know. It's just a, a, a minor change in the game or bigger change in the game now. And it's going to get bigger, especially. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of it. Adapt or die, Mike. Adapt or die. Chris brings up, I'd be willing to make a monthly payment if the university would make a guarantee to all of those who make donations that their kids would get a discount to attend school. Look, you say that right now, Chris, and I think some people might look at that and laugh, but at the same time too, and I was on a radio show earlier today, we're talking about what NIL might look like five years from now, 10 years from now. Again, some people might laugh at that five years from now, 10 years from now, not even in that time period, might be even less. You might see changes like that, right? Trying to find ways to entice fans to be able to donate i I think the challenging part right now is there's going to be places that have a leg up whether it be a big donor wherever the case may be right they might have a leg up and it's going to come down to schools being able to rally and it's the fan bases i mean that's what it comes down to so and there's so many there's so many rules with this um I, I do want to talk a little bit more about NIL. We're going to hit a ad read shortly because I think one thing too, when you talk about the guarantee, and I know this isn't exactly what you meant, Chris, but again, going back to some of the things I saw on social media early this week, since we're talking about NIL and we've, we've really spent a lot of time on NIL tonight. And I think it's something that needed to be said, but some people are worried about, these collectives having full-time employees and all that. I'll get into that. I'll get into that and why that is important for South Carolina to have full-time employees when it comes to NIL. So before we do that, though, let's hit an ad read. Joe, let's get into – you got the first one? Yep, tax iety, Mike, um, from our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax ID is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, 
Call the tax team at Liberty Tax. Fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 99 on weekdays, 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through their desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call at 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs. Our good friends over there at Liberty Tax. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond over at the Movement Mortgage. Try to get that ad up there so you guys can see it. We always keep it up at the top of the screen. There you go. Clint Hammond has helped so many people throughout the Midlands and beyond. He helped out our very own Wes Mitchell as well as former Gamecock quarterback and captain Perry Orth when it came time to buy a home. And obviously right now, if you're in the process of trying to buy a new place, you understand how difficult that can be because of those interest rates just being so high. Clint can make that process easier for you. He can find the best interest rates rates so that you can buy that new home and you're not breaking your back as much in comparison to what some people are going through right now with having to spend more than just an arm and a leg. Give him a call. Again, that is Clint Hammond over at the Movement Mortgage. That number is 803-771-6933. It's our guy, Clint Hammond. The other point that I wanted to mention with NIL and I want to get into talking about the SEC media days, right? Uh, we're going to have plenty of time to do all that. Uh, Big Red asks, you know, is the athletic department funding separate from the university as a whole? Um, and Big Red, I don't know if you're asking this directly. When it comes to a lot of the NIL stuff, the collectives are separate, if that's what you mean. Um, and obviously when it comes to the athletic department, you know, there's certain things. I know that there will be people that want to donate money directly to the athletic department. There'll be people that don't want to direct, uh, donate to the athletic department. They want to direct uh, donate directly to the university when it comes to the educational portion of it. But as far as NIL is concerned, Joe, one thing that bothered me the other day, reading stuff on social media, and there was one individual, but I've seen this happen a couple times over the last couple of weeks. And I'm looking, you know, more so at Garnet Trust, but there's other entities out there. NIL is becoming bigger. There's no question about it. It is a important, important part in recruiting these days, whether we want to say that or not. Because of that, just like anything in life, when something gets big, you're going to have to have people that aren't just part-time. They're going to have to be full-time employees. In my opinion, when you have full-time employees for stuff like this, yeah, sure. You know, there'll be certain percentages that will go to the players. There'll be certain percentages that will go to the people that are working in these companies. In a lot of these companies, I know Garnet Trust in particular, they lay out the percentage that's going. I think uh, 90% is going to the student athlete. So if you're looking at, what, $100, 10 of it's going to pay for everything else, right? When you have full-time employees, though, they can commit everything they have to that project. And I think with what we're seeing right now with Garnet Trust in particular, they're really starting to get in a rhythm. Jeremy Smith has done a tremendous job, tremendous job since he got up here from Florida. Um, he's a South Carolina guy who was living down in Florida. He's back up here now, and he's taking on that responsibility. And they're building an outstanding team. 
outstanding team. Park has working with them. He's doing a tremendous job. And that's why we're seeing more projects be put in place with Garnet Trust because of an individual like that. And I think you're going to see bigger things on the horizon with Garnet Trust. You've seen it with some of the stuff that we show on Gamecock Central that is a product of Garnet Trust, whether that be the radio shows on 107.5 The Game with Chris and Wes, whether that be some of the interviews that you see on Gamecock Central through Garnet Trust, and some of the behind-the-scenes footage, really. I mean, there's a couple projects that we have in the pipelines over these next couple weeks, and it's helping those student-athletes get paid. But I bring all that up because, again, when I hear people say, oh, I don't want to give to NIL because it's paying someone's uh, uh, salary or, you know, they have another job. You just sound like you're looking for a reason to just bitch and complain. All right. Just say that you don't want to donate money. That's all right. But don't be the first one that bitches. Don't be the first one that bitches and complains that USC is losing out in recruiting battles because of NIL. You can't have it both ways. Don't sit there behind your little keyboard, crying about, oh, you know, this school's beating us up because of NIL. How much money are you giving? Oh, nothing? All right, then shut up. Really, that's what it comes down to. And again, that's not directed at the entire fan base, but there are so many people I've seen just bitching, bitching. There's no other way to put it. They're bitching about losing out when it comes to NIL, and it's just absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Um, A lot of excuses um, on the NIL front. So, again, just wanted to get that off my chest there. If you you have an issue with NIL, do something about it, all right? Do something about it. Um, Moving ahead, though, SEC Media Days. Again, South Carolina will be speaking on Thursday in Nashville. They'll be speaking in Nashville. And a big just answer, if people are full-time, is that technically a talent agency? I don't want to get, I don't want to misspeak here. Um, you know, I, with what? I don't think so because they're working for the athletic department first, and that's a part of the school. I think the problem with what, um, like these big NIL agencies, I think that would technically be the talent agency, which mm-hmm. is why they couldn't hire it. If I'm, if that's right, right Mike. Yeah, correct. Okay. There's the the verbiage and the language that comes into what falls in. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to misspeak on that, you know, what exactly Big Red, um, which I could have done a better job to answer that. But looking at SEC Media Days, we talked about this last week, South Carolina. They're bringing Spencer Rattler, which will certainly be the headline heading into Thursday. You have Tonka Hemingway, who has done a tremendous job at defensive tackle, one of the leaders of that defense as he comes back for another year. And then you also have Kai Kroger, punter. One of the best punters, not just in the SEC, but in the country. And someone that I know Gamecock fans hope will throw another touchdown pass this year. Hopefully they don't need that, but, you know, just for the show. They like seeing that stuff. Yeah. One thing that I went back and looked, Joe. So I've been covering SEC Media Day since 2015. I know that, you know, COVID threw a wrench into things. But from the year that I started in 2015, I went back and looked this up. There has been four players... Four specialists, right? Kickers slash punters that have been invited to SEC Media Days. 2019, well, this Kai will be the fourth, that is. 2019, you had Texas A&M's punter. 2017, you had Auburn's place kicker. And then in 2015, Elliot Fry. So South Carolina has now sent two kickers since 2015 
to SEC media days. But you know what, though? I have no problem with it. I think Kai deserves to be there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't I couldn't think of a better representative for your program. I think that's what SEC Media Days is all about is finding the best representative for your program and going forward with that. I think, you know, everyone who is going has been chosen well. Um, I think Tonka is going to be a great interview. Um, everyone is really going to get to see what kind of person Tonka Hemingway is. We've got to see him a little bit through his pressers and stuff. Just kind of coming in, but um, I think we'll really get to see Tonka's personality. I think Spencer will handle himself really, really, really well. Uh, I think people in the national stage are going to be a little surprised by it because of all of the the headlines surrounding Spencer and, and everything going along with that. But I mean, Mike, I mean, you and I know being in the local media, um, we, we, we know that, you know, Spencer is, you know, I mean, as soon as he got here, he was mature and just kind of the reputation didn't precede him. So I think I'm excited for Spencer to go out and be able to, you know, represent a school that, you know, he, he wanted to transfer to and has since a, a, a been adopted by in South Carolina. So um, I'm really excited to see what the players have to say. Obviously, Shane will handle himself really well. Um, so I, I think it's it's a good crop of players. I mean, like I said, I, I don't think there's anybody on that list that you wouldn't want representing your program, um, let alone the university. So um, I'm excited. Yeah, and I thought it was – we talked about it last week, but I thought it was a good decision not to spend, not to send Rattler last year, to have him wait a year, sent a message, not just to the rest of the team, but it sends it to the future Gamecocks too, that that means something to him, you know, that being able to go to SEC Media Days is an honor and to be able to have three different positional guys, right, offense, defense, and special team, teams it proves that it further shows that but on top of that it plays off that beamer ball 2.0 mentality which is being able to spotlight your specialist and how many times last year did we say shoot if South Carolina special teams didn't show up this week that week they weren't going to win that game I mean you could go back to several games right look at Clemson special teams doesn't make some of those plays they probably don't beat Clemson you can go back to Texas A&M, opening kickoff, return for a touchdown. That set, that set the mark. That set where USC's uh, energy came from. You go to week one, Georgia State, two-block punch, return for touchdowns. So that's, mm-hmm. that's what grabs my attention more than anything is that – and you have the highest-paid special teams coordinator in the country, a coach yeah. that doesn't hold another on-field responsibility. That makes Lembo the highest-paid one in the country. Yeah, It shows like, yeah, we don't just talk about special teams being important here. We back it up. Yeah. And by having Kai go there, it further proves that. Yeah. Mike, you have a schedule? or Do you have the schedule yet? Can we pull it up right now. Uh, sounds good. So, yeah. And I put this out. I put this out a little bit earlier today that – Shane Beamer will be speaking with the local media first yeah. before he makes his rounds, which is something that he does every year. Yeah. Uh, that is a selected group of media, local media that he'll meet with, but Gamecock Central will be there. Yeah. And we will have an opportunity to hear from him, and then we'll have that up on the Gamecock Central YouTube page immediately after because that's one of the few things that doesn't get broadcast out. We will have that up there. I'm looking at the schedule right now. Shane Beamer will speak at 11.30 Eastern time. 11.30 Eastern time. 
is when he will make his round. So just looking at the schedule, Ole Miss is set to begin at 10 o'clock. Uh, South Carolina is at 1130. Tennessee is at 1. And again, that is all Eastern time. Eastern time. We will be out in Nashville. But, you know, it's something to remind yourself so you're not a hour late if you want to hear from Beamer. And uh, usually that big – the big room is where they put the camera. So when it comes to the TV room, radio row, that stuff isn't necessarily out there. I know that 107.5 The Game is there out in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they'll have Beamer on at some point on Thursday, and you'll be able to hear. Again, we're going to try to get everything back as soon as possible. Chris and Wes are going to be back in the 107.5 studio. So when Beamer speaks in the morning, we're going to try to do everything we can to get that back as soon as possible because you can't live stream it, one of the rules they have, um, at least that portion of it. And we will try to get everything back so that you guys can hear from Beamer. And we'll hear from the players too. Hopefully we'll be able to get a couple of interviews from the guys that we mentioned. Uh, anything that grabs your attention, though, with this media days, when you're talking about South Carolina, when you're talking about, you know, potential questions. I know you went last year, Joe. Yeah. If you were going this year and had a chance to talk with Beamer, what would be one of the first questions that you would ask him? What do you want to know about this year's team? Yeah. I mean, my, I guess, initial question would just kind of be, how, how do you see this year going? Like, how do you respond after you ended the year like you did on, on such a high note, you know, beating Tennessee, beating Clemson, and then losing a nail-biter in a bowl game to Notre Dame where you had half of your defense? Um, I, I think just kind of um, my question, would, I'd, I'd like to hear what he has to say about just how do you go up, right? Like, what is – how are you keeping the guys focused and how do, how do you improve in, in year three um, and, and also like, what are you telling your team too? So like, let's go out and be better, you know, and, and are you telling your team, you know, be a separate team, be, you know, the best version of yourselves or are you compare like, so I just, his whole coaching philosophy and that's just kind of on the fly. I haven't really thought of it because I will not be in Nashville this weekend. We're sending Jack, which I'm excited for Jack, get his first media days under his belt. I have a couple of moving things or whatever to tune up back in Columbia, but we'll be all over the coverage and stuff like that. But yeah, I guess my first thought would just kind of be like, how do you respond? Um, and then obviously I'd ask Kai Kroger for, for a good Lembo story. Um, I think that's going to be really fun. I think we'll hear a lot of Pete Lembo stories, especially from Kai, maybe a couple questions to Shane also about how important Pete is. And um, for everybody watching, I'm sure you know how Shane feels about, um, about Pete. It's very, very, very positive. So I think Pete Lembo is going to get a lot of shine this week, um, and deservedly so. I don't really think there's there's a better special teams coordinator in college football than the Pete Lembo, even better person too. So um, I'm really excited for that. I'm sure there might be some other people um, that have some other questions um, about uh, Pete, but no, I'm, I'm I'm excited for that for him to finally, you know, get some attention on on the SEC media stage because he, he his a lot of Pete's talk came towards the end of last year and as he was getting nominated for awards and stuff like that, and then he signed the big extension. So Beamer Ball 2.0 is is here to stay, that's for sure. And you bring up the point of being able to have Lembo get that national recognition, and there'll be plenty of opportunities this week, especially with Kai Kroger, as you alluded to, being out there in Nashville. Earlier today, though, not sure if you had a chance to hear this and not sure how many people are paying attention throughout the day of the day two of SEC Media Days, but Joe Tessitore, he yep. works over at ESPN and has been doing stuff now with the SEC Networks, hopped around a little bit, does a tremendous job with college football when he calls games. 
He mentioned Lembo. I want to actually get bring up the exact quote because I think Gamecock Central shared one. it today. Yeah, absolutely. I want to share I, that. But um, where I got the idea that I mean, if Tessator and and I mean, South Carolina hasn't even arrived at SEC Media Days yet, and so if Pete Lembo is already becoming some of the talk now, I, I can only imagine he'll be. Well, and here it is. And here's that quote, Pete Lembo. And this is from Joe Tessator quote, Pete Lembo is the best special teams coordinator in the country. Let me repeat that. We don't talk enough about the coordinators in this league. Interesting tidbit. Not sure if you were aware of this. Joe Tessator and Pete Lembo grew up together. How about that? Did not Italians on Long Island uh, back in the day. I know Tessator is a big lacrosse guy. Does a lot for ESPNU and college lacrosse. So uh, I, I yeah. knew he was a Long Island guy. Was not did not know that he grew up with Pete. That's crazy. Yeah, some good good stories. Good stories no, with Lumbo. Sure. Uh, sure. That's for sure. I think for me, Joe. I think the big thing that I'm looking forward to hearing is where he feels like where he feels like this team has took that next step forward, whether it be, you know, for me, and I was talking about this on social media earlier today, I feel like the two positional groups that really stand out to me when you're talking about where does he feel like they took a next step. It's hard not to mention tight ends first, simply because of where USC was in that bowl game, right? You had some transfers, you had some injury. I mean, everything was going on. And when Nate Atkins got hurt, it was literally, shoot, what do we do now at tight end? So to see that tight end room go from that on that day, obviously you lose some tight ends as well from the transfer portal, to go from that to where they are right now and to say something which I don't think some people are going to look at as saying, as man, that's a bold statement, is this tight end room might be better than it was last year. Yeah, And again, that says a lot. After losing what they lost and to be where they are now and say, I think we're better than we were last year. And they had some talented tight ends. Nate Atkins came out of absolute nowhere. Nowhere. Greg Atkins, his father, uh, analyst now on the offensive line, former offensive line coach the first two years. He kept saying it. He's like, he's not coming here just to be a guy that's going to hold a clipboard. Like, he's a guy that can ball out. And he proved that. He proved that at tight end. He proved that on special teams. He started flashing the, the, the gloves towards the end of the year with his hands being able to make incredible catches, especially the one against Clemson. So that's the first position. And then safety is the other position yeah. because Nick Eamon worry. Yes. All American last year. Get that. Yeah. But now he's a sophomore. Now he has more experience on top of that. DQ Smith really came into his own towards the end of the season. He also has more experience now. I think that safety room was the one that took the most, you know, the biggest step forward, considering the fact of how young they were. Talented group last year. However, what they did in year one, and now they have more experience, and now they're just sophomores, it's hard not to look at that group. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree fully. Um, Big Red, two questions here from you, and I'm going to combo them into one. Um, so his question for Beamer, how does position changes for players affect your game plan going forward and if we have so many tight ends could we rotate them at running back linemen etc um and so i'm going to say yes for the tight ends and then how the position changes for the players affect your game plan going forward i think that's all uh, a dowel logins brainchild um kind of thing 
And I, um, two, I think Dowell is going to be talked about plenty um, at media days. I think, you know, as much shine as, as Pete's going to get, I think Dowell is going to get some talk too. Oh my gosh, just bumped my desk. Um, but uh, I think Dowell is going to get some talk, um, especially with Shane, just about the new hire, what the offense is going to look like. I know Spencer will be asked about it for sure. So um, I, I think, you know, getting to Big Red's first question, um, how do position changes for players affect game plan going forward? I think it just adds to the number of options you have on offense, right? Mm -hmm. We've seen what Harbor has been doing. I've been hearing things that Harbor has been smoking all the DBs in practice. And um, that, that, that was my first thing that came out. I asked um, a, a friend of mine that I'm like, what's Harbor look like? He's like, he's smoking everybody. Like he's just so freaking fast. So I, I think it just, it gives you a lot of options. Um, it, 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 and when you have that many options, you find one that's going to work for that week and go with it, right? Like Yo, can I, we also mention, too, you're talking about Harbor and what he's looking like. When he arrived, when he arrived at South Carolina, I want to make sure I have the exact way. When he arrived, um, at this time on three, listed him at one. I got to make sure I go back and double check that. He He's up to 247 right now. 247. Yeah. I mean, Six five two forty seven. He was at two twenty five when he came in. My goodness, my goodness. Stud, stud, so fast. And that, again, like I said, that, that's everything I've heard is that he's just ridiculously fast. And we knew that coming in. And that's the big thing too. When you see a player go up, and I mentioned this, we had a story earlier the week on Gamecock Central. When you see the weight go up so much, right? the last recorded weight that we had from on three on him was 225. Certainly, I don't believe that when he arrived back in May, I believe, is when he first came on campus. When he arrived, or maybe at the end of June, let me make sure I double-check that. I have the story in front of me actually right now. When he arrived, yeah, two months ago, so back in June, back in May. When he arrived, I definitely believe that he was over 225. With that being said, though, Regardless of when he started to put more weight on, and now again, like we mentioned, he's up to two forty-seven. When we, we talk about harbor and speed and track and field and wanting to one day be an Olympic runner, putting on weight like that, when you think about someone throwing that much weight on in an off season, the biggest thing that you're worried about is them losing a step with their speed. We haven't seen it yet. Right, but it's hard to believe that he's going to be losing any speed. Again, mentioning the fact that he's going to be running track and field there. He wants to be an Olympic runner. I mean, this guy's going to be an absolute freaking tank. He's going to get faster with the track stuff, Mike. It's ridiculous. I, I mean, I hate to say like a, a Tyreek because he's a lot bigger than Tyreek Hill, but I mean, yep. the speed is comparable, and it's crazy to be saying that for a true freshman. But I mean, I don't. And the national media has given him a little bit of attention, sure. But, I mean, I think after the first couple of games, everybody's going to be talking about this kid and just that quickness. And I'm excited to see how Dowell uses him, right? I mean, we've, we've heard all the talk about how Dowell is good at, you know, kind of converting guys, tight end, wide receiver, just multiple positions like Big Red's question. Um, so I'm, I'm really, 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 really excited to see what Dowell's offense looks like. If he can, um, you know, design an offense around or as well as he can recruit. I think this offense is going to be in pretty good hands. And to piggyback off of what you mentioned there with Dow and, you know, big red, you mentioned 
so many tight ends? Could they be rotating different positions, running back, lineman? I think, honestly, what you will see, and it's not going to be really, you know, earth-shattering news, depending on what Dal wants to do, I think you're going to see a lot of guys slide on over to fullback, right? I mean, depending on the packages, we saw that with Nate Atkins, and South Carolina didn't invent the wheel when it came to that, but you will see tight ends probably slide into the backfield a little bit and be able to play that fullback role if needed and motion out and, you know, be a threat still in the passing game. I expect South Carolina to do all those things. Real quick, I want to make sure I pull this up. Ashley, taking your word for it, so I appreciate this. Tonka on Sirius XM, SEC Radio, 11 at 15 a.m. Spencer on at 11.30, Kai at 12. And I'm assuming those are all Eastern time. And then Ashley also had what time Beamer is speaking. That is going to be at 10.20. Then he'll be on the SEC Network. That will be in the big room and 12:45. So Ashley, we appreciate you doing that because yes, the first round will be Beamer speaking with the small group of local media at 9:35 Eastern time. That does not get televised, but Gamecock Central will have you guys covered. That'll be 8:35 we uh local time. So they'll be coming on over. I think they'll probably leave from like Owens Airport, you know, shoot on over. I don't know how long of a flight that is. Can't I don't know, maybe long. 90 I minutes know. or so. I don't know. Yeah, can't be very Something long. Like that. Yeah, yeah. But um, Big Red again, would Joyner strictly be playing running back? And if he does see some time at QB, would that only be in the Wildcat or traditional quarterback? I, I, don't, I don't know. I wish I knew because that I would know the playbook. Um, but, again, <laughs> I, I can see him playing both um, quarterback. But that's the beauty, back, though. Right? Yeah, we don't know. Because you're, you're saying that right now, okay? And you cover the team. You're around this team yeah, almost no every idea. day when we're in season. Okay? I do have no idea. No, but I bring this up because you're yeah. saying that. Yeah, 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 yeah. What, what do you think North Carolina's thinking right now? The team oh, that he caught with their pants. Yeah. South Carolina exactly. caught North Carolina with their pants down in the Duke's Mayo Bowl because yeah. they were oh, not prepared no for that. They were not prepared for it. And USC did a tremendous job of keeping everything in-house. I'm bringing that up because by you saying that, though, that's the beauty. He can play running back. He can play. And by the way, I think Wes Mitchell just put it out a little while ago. He is officially listed. He is officially listed as a running back in the media guide. He is officially listed as a running back. No slash wide receiver. He is a running back this year. That doesn't mean... He won't be split out at times. That doesn't mean he won't be under center or in shotgun taking a snap, but that's the beauty of Dak. He can do so much for you on offense. And we may have talked about this before, Joe, which is you have him in a shotgun formation with Rattler. Think how many things you can do from an offensive standpoint. I can only imagine. I can only imagine the thoughts that have gone through Dal Logan's head since this spring one spring ball wrapped up in what he wants to do with not just this offense, but specifically with Joyner. And we've mentioned this too before. If Joyner can go out there and block and be as efficient as Montario Hardesty has brought up because he does a tremendous job on special teams blocking. If Joyner can be a strong blocker, it's like a pitcher that has an arsenal of different pitches, right? If you're just a fastball pitcher, okay, Joyner's just going out there. Okay, he can run the ball, right? If Joyner can block, though, that changes everything. And I expect him to be able to do that. So 
Yeah, I we don't know what's going to happen week one against North Carolina, no, but I am not going to be shocked. I'm I'm preparing myself to expect the unexpected, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I again, I don't we don't know what this offense. I mean, obviously it'll be a little bit more pro style, but um, we don't really know what this offense is going to look like at all. Um, new offensive coordinator, so I'm excited. I think that's my biggest storyline going into this season is how the offense is going to look, especially with the offensive line, how that's been. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the offense. We had one last question and we will wrap things up. Chris asked, did the Darla Moore donate more than 75 million to the university debacle ever get resolved? Her money sure would help with NIL. From my understanding, and this is maybe from a month or two ago, I don't know if you have any updates intern, Joe, if you've heard anything about this. Um, I believe the relationship is still kind of tender, if you know what. It's like, getting, it's still, it's getting, but it's getting better. It's getting better. It's getting better. Um, obviously, Bob Caslin, former president of the university, leaving. They have done a lot. USC has done a lot to try to repair that. It's not going to be something that is going to happen overnight, but they are doing everything they can to repair that. Now, and I don't know this specifically about Daryl Moore, but these are the things too. We talk about NIL. If someone like Daryl Moore, and I'm just, again, speaking in hypotheticals, not saying this is how she feels. If she, if she doesn't want to give money to say athletics, right? She doesn't want to give that NIL money. You know, what can happen sometimes. And we've seen this with other collective groups. And this is also just an example. So that other people out there that might think this way, Regardless of the business school, whatever that that school is they have at USC, you can be able to make sure those student athletes get that money. So there could be a donor that wants to give money to NIL, but they want to specifically help out the student athletes that are going through the business program. That's happened at other schools. So I bring that up because that's something else just to keep an eye on, especially we talk about Darla Moore or anyone out there that has uh, – a lot of money that can definitely be a game changer and a big supporter when it comes to NIL. And then uh, last one from big red, we'll sneak this one in there to the guys that get suspended from the team officially get released completely. Uh, it's from my understanding that, I mean, there's been guys, I think actually trying to think of the one in particular. Um, some of the guys have gone on to Juco schools, I believe Joe, there's yeah. no update about what's going to happen after this semester. Um, Montine Rames, he continues to be very supportive, though, on social media about USC. And my assumption would be that he's going to hope to be back with USC at some point. He's going to do everything that he needs to from a legal standpoint. And it's from my understanding that he has been very cooperative and it's not just for a young man like that, but, you know, any young man that makes a you know dumb mistake or they're involved with something like that, right? You hope that they're able to get that second chance. I don't know if everyone feels that way, but, you know, you, you hope that people are able to learn from something because, I mean, shoot, if everyone was judged on one thing they did when they were 17, 18 years old. And again, with at least Montaigne, uh, with, with Reims, his role in the situation in comparison to some other people, you know, he, to me, would be the one that would have at least a little bit more rope, hopefully, down the road. So we'll see how yeah. things play out, but that's where things stand right now. Very talented young man, and hopefully he does get that opportunity because uh, 
I believe in second chances, especially when you do something to me, that's not as crazy. I understand the rules on campus. I get that, but you know, we'll let the legal legal side of it play out first. And then obviously USC from a admission standpoint, not even athletics got to be admissions what they do from there. All right, Joe, anything you want to say before we wrap things up? No, my that's it. Uh, travel safe to media days, obviously. Um, you guys will be good. Um, yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to hearing what everyone has to say. Obviously, the Lumbo talk, it's going to be it's going to be good. Jonathan Lee, if you're just joining the program, head on back about the, I'd say, the 15-minute, 20-minute yeah, mark. 15, 20 we minute talked mark. a lot about NIL tonight. I talked specifically yeah. about that. And if any of you missed our show tonight, right, just maybe catching the end or you missed some parts, Head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page. You can watch this show in its entirety. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network, and you can listen to this show in its entirety as well. Matthew says, thank you for doing these videos. They are great. And Craig says, thanks as well. We appreciate all of you guys. We will do this show again next week, actually. I'm trying to think. Getting ready for birdies with Beamer. I need to talk with Joe to see if he can fix my shot before Wednesday next week. And then uh, we'll be getting ready. We'll be getting ready for the big event at Breakers slash CB18. Going to be a tremendous event. And on top of that, just I for, almost forgot, one more announcement I want to make. Steel Hands announced today, third annual training camp will take place on August 12th. Looking forward to emceeing that again. We'll have former Gamecock po- football players going up against former Clemson football players. It is always a fun event. You never know what's going to happen. A lot of smack talking between the two schools. Really good opportunity, though, to be able to see some of your favorite Gamecocks. And if you want to give Tiger, former Tiger players crap, you can do that as well. Yeah, and it's also intern Joe's birthday, oddly enough. So oh. um, it's going to be a fun event. It's going to be good, good time. But, and then the week after, of course, Gamecock Central, the third annual GC kickoff party. So it's going to be a busy, a busy next couple weekends on Saturdays here in the uh, in the beautiful yeah. state of South Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. The work starts, Mike. The offseason is officially over, and, I mean, we'll be on fall camp a couple weeks. It's crazy to think that. Crazy to think that. Well, we appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. Again, GC will be out there in Nashville to get you guys all locked in on what's going on, so be sure to follow along on GamecockCentral.com. And as far as all the other recruiting stuff is concerned, be sure to follow the notes from Chris and Wes. They have done an outstanding job, as they always do, but especially with some movement going on right now, some new, some noise, if you will, some buzzing going on. I'm sure a lot of people would like to know what's going on. They will give you everything they know. That's for sure. He's Joe. I'm Mike. You appreciate you guys tuning in tonight. We'll do it again next Tuesday.